Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, March 19th, 2021. It has been 155 days since Tony nominations were announced. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Um, Ashley, I wanted to make sure that everybody knew this coming Sunday on This Week on Broadway, James, Peter, and Michael will be talking to Tony nominee and Theater Hall of Fame inductee director Emily Mann, mm-hmm. an absolute legend in the... Uh, Uh, in the theater world. Her work can currently be seen in a streaming production of Tennessee Williams' The Night of the Iguana, um, which is starring uh, Dylan McDermott and Felicia Rashad, as well as Austin Pendleton. Um, It is available to stream from La Femme Theater Productions through the 28th of March. Um, So if you want to get in on that, um, that interview, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio, broadwayradio.com slash patreon. You'll be able to submit questions, listen live, and or get it before anybody in the regular feed. Also, want to remind you, speaking of streaming things, um, on Thursday, the, the 18th, Lincoln Center launched their new um, streaming service type thing um, yeah. where you can watch cobbled together archive footage of a lot of their really cool productions over the years. It launches with Vanya and Sonia and Masha and Spike. Um, You are able to watch it. Yeah, you're able to watch it. If you go to their website and sign up, they will send you a link that you are available or that you are able to watch through sometime in April. I don't remember the exact date on the link that I got, but wanted to remind folks that that is something we talked about a few weeks ago, and it did begin on Thursday. There's a lot of stuff that came out on the 18th. Between that and uh, the Audible Theater, Sound Inside came out. I think a few other things came out, too. It's a busy day on the 18th. Very cool. All right, Ashley, let's get into the news. First up, on Thursday morning... Current New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced that (laughs) regional indoor sporting venues that hold 1,500 people or more or outdoor venues that hold 2,500 people or more will be allowed to reopen beginning on April 1st at 10% capacity. He also announced that beginning on March 29th, which is a week from this coming Monday, statewide travel for sports and recreational activities will be allowed. This announcement actually just came a few hours before New York State released data that said that 24% of the state's residents have completed at least one dose of a vaccine protocol. Yeah, I do not think that there is a way that we could possibly overstate how interrelated and symbiotic those two Mm -hmm. facts are, Ashley. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, this timeline of opening up more sports facilities more or less corresponds with the announcement that live indoor performances can begin on April 2nd in what are being called flex venues. In those cases, arts and entertainment venues holding less than 10,000 people will be allowed to reopen at 33% capacity up to 100 people indoors and up to 200 people outdoors. Uh, Ashley, we've had a lot of stories like this Mm. lately, um, but it's starting to feel like a dripping sink. You know, Mm. one or two, one or two drips, you can kind of shrug it off and be like, oh, not a big deal. It's just one or two drips. Um, and then you move on. You don't worry about it. But the more drips that there are and the more frequently they come, you really have to start paying attention. And, um, in terms of a leaky sink, that's, you have to pay attention because it's a bad thing and it could overflow your apartment. Sure. In terms of these things. It's a good simile. (laughs) Until that part. It worked until that part. But in this case, we have to start paying attention because it looks like things are actually going to happen and Mm -hmm. things are actually going to open up, which is 
a little scary, but also really, really exciting. Yeah, it's very scary. <laughs> and it's very exciting. And those two things can coincide with one another. Uh, I'm still very, I, I, you know, I've, like a lot of people, I have a lot of pandemic trauma slash PTSD, I think. And I'll watch shows that were filmed years ago where it'll be like crowded places. Or obviously no one's wearing masks and I'll just have like a mini panic attack. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm gonna have some, I think a lot of people are gonna have some residual effects from it for a while in terms of like crowded places or indoor events. I know I certainly am. Cause even when I see like we're opening indoor sporting venues, it's, um, I, I can't, I'm, I'm getting my second vaccine dose next week and I'm still like, I'm not doing anything indoors for a little sure. bit. Cause I do, I think 20, you know, as you mentioned that 24% of the residents in the state are, have at least completed the first vaccine dose, that's still really low. Um, and there's a lot of, there's an article that came out today about just like why people aren't getting the vaccine. There's a lot of reasons behind that. Some <laughs> more reasonable than others. Um, but I do think a lot of people are still really anxious about the vaccine being this early, especially since, you know, especially the first dose one that just came out, the J&J one. Uh, I do think it's going to take a, a while for a lot of people, especially older people, to get in the doors and get those vaccines and not be so anxious about it. Mm -hmm. So until that 24% goes up a little bit higher, I'm still not even considering indoor events. I even got like an off-Broadway press release yesterday <laughs> for an indoor event. And I was just like, absolutely not. I don't care how much I miss yeah. theater. I don't care if the press dates are uh, in line with when my vaccine is going to be fully effective or not. I just, I'm still way too anxious about it. But I will do outdoor things. I'm, I'm ready for the outdoor things for sure. Yankee Stadium's got people coming in the doors now and I'm going to be one of them. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a process and there is no like line of demarcation where sure. we cross it and it says everybody has to be comfortable to go back to life uh like it was before no, there are sure. some people yeah. that will never go back to life um like it was before because some people i guarantee you will be wearing masks uh anytime they're in public and i do not fault people for that um, i mean we've probably, seen it in other countries especially yeah. in asia where that's become a part of normal life in public and um, I, and I, and I don't have any problem with people no, doing whatever yeah. they can to be safe. So, um, wherever your, um, your tipping point is to where you feel safe, you, Ashley, personally, and you, everybody well. else collectively, um, I'm sure that the theater will be there to welcome you back with open arms whenever you are ready to enter a theater. You could have made a ragtime back to before reference too. You were really, you were really, really leaning towards it and it just know, didn't sorry. happen. Marin, I <sighs> apologize. <sighs> All right, everybody, let's take a real quick break from the news to talk about our sponsor, real quick Express VPN. Actually, we have been yelling and screaming and kvetching for weeks now that these gosh darn streaming services are doing everything they can to continue to nickel and dime us to death, but they still hold things back and put them behind different paywalls and restrictions and contracts and only let us see things depending on what country we are in. 
However, that is no longer the case if you decide to use ExpressVPN so that you can get your full money's worth on all of your streaming services, just like I do. Using ExpressVPN, I control what country these various streaming services think that I'm in so I can access whatever content whenever I want. Mm-hmm. It is much cheaper than picking up and just moving to another country to get that content. <laughs> I advise right. I advise to not do that and instead use ExpressVPN because it has over 90 countries that you can choose from. You run out of stuff to watch in one country, you just switch over and unlock those new shows. And ExpressVPN is usable on all the streaming services and there are so many of them. I'm not even going to run through them because it would take the rest of the show. But you can use ExpressVPN to get all of it. That's right. So be smart, stop paying full price for streaming services, and only getting access to a fraction of their content. Get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash broadwayradio. Don't forget to use our link so that you get three extra months free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Broadway Radio, expressvpn.com slash Broadway Radio to learn more. It's the weekend. Make sure you get it so you can watch whatever the hell you want this weekend. Oh my God, from everywhere. (laughs) All right, Ashley, we are going to get back into the news with another steady stream of drips as we travel across the pond and run through a number of announcements about West and musicals that have been announcing when they are planning to return to the stage. Now, this is just a random sampling. I'm not going to run through every single British show that is announced when they're coming back. Those are all online. Um, you can do this, but these are four that popped up over the last day or so that I thought might be instructive to discuss. First, in terms of announcements and reopenings, unsurprisingly, if you ask me, will be the Queens of Six. In a cute little video, the current company announced that they would return to performances at the Lyric Theater on May 21st, which is two months away from now. With social distancing at indoor UK venues expected to remain in place until June 21st at the earliest, The theater will initially operate at the same 50% capacity that it did when the show last was running mid-pandemic in December before the most recent UK shutdown. Next, yesterday on Thursday, it was revealed that the previously announced London revival of Anything Goes, starring Megan Mullally and Robert Lindsay, will begin performances at the Barbican Theater on July 23rd for what is to be a strictly limited 12-week run. Through October 12th, I am so insanely jealous that yeah. that London is getting Megan Mullally back um, on stage rude. before we are. It's pretty rude, honestly. Seriously, not not cool in the least. I want Megan Mullally back on stage, and I want her husband's TV show making it <laughs> yes, it's back so on TV. Great. Oh, I need another I season. I need season three of making it right now. Put Nick Offerman on Broadway, too, while you're at it. I don't care. He can do whatever. He's amazing. I love Nick he's Offerman. And his, his giggle. I just want to hear him uh, giggle. Big old crush. Big old it's Nick Offerman crush. Big old Nick Offerman and big old Megan Mullally crushes. Uh, yeah. Bisexual rights right there. <laughs> Speaking of Mullally, her <laughs> young Frankenstein co-star Roger Bart will be returning to the role of Doc Brown in Back to the Future, the musical, when the show resumes West End performances on August 20th at the Adelphi Theater. I still think, I can't remember the quote, but remember when they did the press performance of this show, I guess, Ooh, I, I mean, a year, God. year and a half ago, I... and they did this video, and there was just one of the funniest 
most bizarre rhymes in the history of musical theater. I need to go find oh that. Oh my clip. god! Yeah, I'm gonna have to look. Uh, I, I think in it, I think they rhymed flux capacitor with something, and it was just like it was what I wanted a Back to the Future the musical to be. Um, I need to find that. Like it's up there with. Um, he made his home in that fish's abdomen. Like it's up there <laughs> in terms of great musical theater rhymes. Coercible. Anyway, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, August twentieth at the Adelphi, and finally in this section, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons will be heading from Jersey to London as Jersey Boys will resume West End performances at the Trafalgar Theater beginning on July twenty eighth. Ashley, much like the drips and drops that we've seen with these random policy changes and opening schedules in New York City and state. More theatrical returns and more theatrical openings around the world are just more reasons to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Again, assuming that they are all handled properly, which all of these seem to be. I think they've got limited choice at the, cause London and the UK in general have had so many shutdowns, like back and forth, uh, that I feel like they only, they basically only have one option and it's to do it right in the West End at this point. So looking forward to all these, uh, God, I wish, I was trying to find the Back to the Future rhyme while you were talking. It's good. I know. We're going to have to put it in. Yeah. I'll put it in at the end if I can find it. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, All right, Ashley, we've got a couple feel-good recommendations or at least feel-good news things that we wanted to bring to you at the end of the show today. Earlier this week, Stars in the House celebrated their one-year anniversary, which is just bizarre. And in their big anniversary episode, they had... A ton of guests, uh, Sebastian Arcellis, uh, Annette Benning, Stephanie J. Block, um, Brenda Braxton, uh, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Kelly O'Hara, Kiala Settle, all these people. And they received over $28,000 in donations for the Actors Fund in that episode, including a $10,000 matching grant from the Francis Lear Foundation. That means that in their over 375 episodes, because they used to do like two show days, if you remember, Stars in the House, Stars in the House has raised over $750,000 for the Actors Fund. In addition, um, to $200,000 for other charity organizations who have needed different supports throughout the pandemic. So they are approaching $1 million in funds raised, um, which is just awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And they're continuing to go. They are still doing shows. Tonight, Friday, um, March 19th, they are having a West Wing reunion with Martin Sheen, mm-hmm. Allison Janney, Bradley Whitford, uh, Richard Schiff, Mary McCormick, Janelle Maloney, Melissa Fitzgerald, Jimmy Smits, and more. Um, so definitely something you want to keep tuning into, uh, Stars in the House. And like I've said before, uh, Seth Rudetsky and James Wesley um, give them the uh, Isabel Stevenson Award. Absolutely. Uh, I'm all for it. All right. The other um, recommendation here, Ashley, is right up your alley. Yes. Um, we have so, talked about so much so that I'm the one that sent it over. You did. I hadn't seen it. You sent it to me. Yes. Yeah. Um, the uh, the second part of Greg Evans's oral history of the uh, COVID shutdown pertaining to the Broadway revival of Company has hit deadline. Um, it is a, another great read. We talked about the first one. Actually, I can't think of a better way to spend some time over this weekend than reading this, especially since a certain somebody's birthday's on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> I almost forgot. <laughs> oh my God. This is the problem. I keep thinking it's April. 
because uh, <laughs> I've lost all track of time. But yes, it is Mr. Stephen Joshua Sondheim's birthday this coming week. My actual viewing list for the weekend is the Assassins uh, thing that they did at mm-hmm. Tennessee, whatever, Tennessee, Tennessee Theater whatever. with Patrick Cassidy. Yeah. yeah, gotta watch that still. It's two and a half hours of glory, so I can't wait for that. <laughs> um, I actually booked a ticket for a classic stage company's Assassins thing that they're doing next month on April 15th, which is another Sondheim featured event. Uh, and then there's like a better YouTube upload of the Sweeney Todd documentary that they did a thousand years ago. And that's, oh, I'm not, I'm not familiar with this. Oh my goodness. It's beautiful. Uh, that's now uh, like to, uh, as of two weeks ago, a much better upload of it. Like it was the like UK Sweeney Todd big documentary mm. that they did that was like an hour and a half long and it's Amazing. awesome. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm very prepared for the man's birthday. Yes. The man. As always, uh, the man, the man, yeah. the god, the legend. Stephen Joshua Sondheim. All right, let's settle down before this gets a little out of hand. Although I did want to make a, uh, I did want to make a Barcelona joke when you were confused if it was April or not. Which, uh, <laughs> oh, you're uh, so you like close. That. And we're talking about company. Well, we were exactly. talking about company. Yeah. Now I'm just on a general Sondheim spiel. It's okay. It's like literally fifty percent of your waking days. It's more than that. Let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt Ashley. What about you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No This Is Ashley. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Don't forget to tune in to this week on Broadway, where the crew will be talking to Emily Mann. Um, and uh, we will be back on Monday with a full-throated celebration of Andrew Lloyd Webber's birthday. Oh, have a good weekend. Talk to you later. Bye. dare you. I'm editing this. I can just uh, cut all. That's a good point. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.